This is the Local Flex Podcast, and I am your host, Connor Flayhive. Today we are joined by my wife, Lauren Flayhive. Buckle in, we have 35 minutes of awesome conversation and content. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Laura, thank you so much for coming on. Very excited to get into, be able to talk about your teaching and your experiences. And I know you are an avid Local Flex Podcast listener, correct? Not yet. I'm I'm going to be, though, very soon. Wow. Very selfish of you that you only are going to be interested in now that you've been on it. Oh, I didn't say that. I'm going to listen to the previous episodes, and then I'm going to, I'm going to start at the beginning, and okay. then I'm going to continue from then. Wow. That's, that's a tough start. It very... is finals week, so I haven't had a lot of time since you've started this whole endeavor. So a couple weeks ago, I was leading up to finals, and now... I'm in the thick of things, so I can't. You know what? I haven't had the time. Even though you have not listened to the podcast, you are a professional podcaster because that is a great segue talking about finals week. A little gold star for you. Great segue into what you do. Now, okay, I am obviously your husband, so I know and adore what you do, but you have been a teacher at Niles West High School for how long? This is my ninth year at Niles West High School in Skokie. Niles West. And what do you teach at Niles West? I teach in the social studies department and I teach freshman modern world history and I teach AP psychology and that course is taken by sophomores and seniors. Uh, So only sophomores and seniors even the uh, don't you teach freshmen the first one? I just said that I said I teach freshman modern world history. I'm sorry wow I'm getting yelled at for the first time on the podcast this feels like at home. Um, Um, And What actually got you interested in going into the teaching profession? I did not know I wanted to be a teacher at first. I did my undergrad at the University of Iowa. Big, big Hawkeye fan I am. Um, And I got my degree in psychology. I have my bachelor's of science in psychology. I was originally en route to becoming a physician assistant. But after the many, many hundreds of hours, I did volunteering at the University of Iowa hospitals and clinics and working in an ocular pathology lab. I found that that was not where I saw myself. Um, see, I didn't see myself there for a career. So I altered course and I realized I was really, really enjoying all of the higher level psych courses I was taking at Iowa. And I realized, wow, I like this stuff so much that I want to teach it to people myself. So before you go right there, so you, your undergrad is in psychology. Correct. So you are actually the second person. Obviously, you know, Maddie. Me and Maddie. Yeah. You are actually the second person with a degree in psychology. Correct. Um, All right. So you realize that you want to change course as you're going into psych you're obviously still in the undergrad so kind of what pushed you to make you i'm sure there's a lot of routes that you could go with the undergrad in psychology correct yeah you can go into a ton of different things um i wanted to go and teach it because i was fascinated by the content because it directly applied to my life i had a father growing up who was severely mentally ill and then when i was a senior in high school Uh, Excuse me, the summer going into my senior year of high school, my mom suffered cardiac arrest and had severe brain damage because of it. And so I was fascinated with how the brain works and how people's nervous systems can get damaged through whether it's a viral damage or traumatic brain injury or in my mom's case, lack of oxygen to the brain. So I wanted to take that a step further and study that. And what made you want to go directly into the high school level? Because I was offered, um, I was encouraged actually, uh, and then I went 
ended up just to switch gears, I went to DePaul to get my teaching degree because as I said, I graduated my bachelor's in psych at Iowa. So I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher at that time. So when I got into my master's program at DePaul, the uh, head of the department actually of education said, you know, you really should get your middle school endorsement. But no middle schools that I'm aware of or anywhere um, actually teaches psych content. So I can't teach psychology to elementary level students, can't teach it in middle school because that was the specialty that I wanted to focus on. The only option for me was secondary. Okay. High school. Got it. And then you did your internship, or not internship, uh, student teaching at Ridgewood. I did it at Ridgewood High School in Norwich. That was a wonderful experience. Okay, awesome. awesome. And then, again, I I obviously know the story as as you're my wife, so I'm just trying to um, vocalize where kind of the route that you took. So you were at Ridgewood, and then, you know, there was a connection with your... What's it called? Your overseeing teacher? Yeah, my cooperating teacher. Um, He lived in Lake Zurich at the time, and his neighbor, like a few doors down, was a social studies teacher at Niles West, one of my colleagues now, Larry Fogel. And he, um, my cooperating teacher caught wind that they had an opening, and I was just finishing up student teaching, and so the stars aligned, and he said, hey, I have a student teacher. She just, she's finishing up. Um, She'd love an interview. And Larry happened to be on the interview committee. And he was like, yeah, we'll interview her. We'll see what she's got. And so I was able, through that connection, to at least give myself a shot at the job and get an interview. And so I got an interview, um, and the rest is history. That's awesome. Very awesome. So really, what is it, as a teacher, that gets you up and excited to do it every single day? And pre- let me let me preface this. This is previous to this year. We'll talk about kind of the craziness of 2020 coming up. But previous to this year, what is it that is um, the driving force to get you out of bed to be able to do what you do and do what you love? Um, I think I'm really lucky in that the content that I teach is very relatable to people of all ages, but particularly there's a fascination with psychology for adolescents. My high school students, even if they know very little about psychology coming in, when we start getting into the, the content and they really start learning what the science is about, they realize, oh my goodness, this is life. This is being a human being, like living in the world. And I think that is the coolest thing, is every day I have an opportunity to connect some life experience they had with the content they're learning so it feels even more valuable. They don't feel like they're just taking another class to check off a box towards graduation. It's like, wow, this is helping me understand why I behave the way I behave as well as the people around me. And that connection sparks an interest that's much deeper than like, I love math. I love, you know, social studies in general or whatnot. They actually see the connection between their life and the class. So are you talking smack to all the math teachers and English teachers right now? No, 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 I'm (laughs) I'm not. Those are great contents too, but I'm, you know, I'm blessed that my content is, you know, human life. You know, one of the cool things that we actually talked about on Jonah's uh, episode is that his experience here at the gym kind of pushed him into a route of going into exercise. It really sparked an interest of going into exercise science and obviously becoming and making a career of it. Have you had students that, because of your class, that have gone into psychology, into college? 
Yeah, a lot. Um, that's also obviously goes without saying how exciting that is. Um, I just got an email two days ago of a sophomore student I had last year. She's a junior now. I haven't gotten to see her in person this year because of COVID and remote learning, but um, she just emailed me and was like, hey, Mrs. Flayhive, um, after taking your class, I'm super inspired and I'm really interested in going into the field of psychology in some way. Do you know any mental health professionals that I can connect with? to further learn about my, you know, what opportunities I have. So I actually connected her just yesterday evening with a clinical psychologist that I'm friends with and they're gonna, you know, connect and Mia will hopefully get some information that she wants to figure out That's awesome. what degree she needs and what, you know, what that job is like. Very cool. So kind of segueing right into that, is segueing a word? Yes. I'm not even sure. Segueing. Yes, that would be Thank correct. you, teacher, wife. Um, going right into that, obviously that's a huge, you know, highlight of, of your teaching career. Again, previous to this year, does one highlight stand out more than the rest of your entire teaching career? Um, I would say, I would say the ones that kind of blend together as like the highlight is when students who I haven't seen in so long, like they've graduated, they're off to college or beyond. Now I've been teaching nine years, so that, that's a thing now, because <laughs> I have some college grad uh, students. Um, when they come back and they say, if it weren't for taking a chance and taking an elective of AP Psychology that I knew nothing about, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so to see that, you know, this high school class that I think we all, when we reflect on high school, it's like we take it for granted, like, oh, it was a stepping stone to get to the next thing and it's not as important or significant. There are a lot of students that it's very significant to. And when those students reach out and email me or find me on Instagram or something and we connect and they tell me, you know, they remind, it's a reminder of, the important work that I'm doing and that the rest of educators are doing because it is it's yeah. not highlighted enough I don't think our um, our field is always given the credit that it deserves a lot of times For sure. um, yeah that part's forgotten and I think we we're doing really important work and it matters a lot to our students well I going right into that I think people hopefully at least with this year of people having to homeschool not homeschool but you know teach their own kids as they're you know learning virtually i think they realize of how difficult of a task that it is and i think hopefully people have a, a newfound respect for teachers because i can tell you right from my own experience of e-learning for a couple weeks um, our kids are at saint paul the cross so thank god knock on wood um that they're in school but there have been a couple weeks where they have had to e-learn and e-learning with a three and a four-year-old is a blast let me tell you you know they really listen to me um but okay so as you said or as we just said this year has been vastly different obviously yeah um have you been virtual teaching tell us about We've, that yes so my district is 219 so it's niles west and niles north high schools um we have been remote since august yes and there is no end in sight uh, there is now talk about some uh, hybrid options that could begin after MLK Day in mid-January, but um, the way they're going to roll that out is by, you know, special ed classes first would do some in-person learning, um, maybe some of the more hands-on courses, elective courses that require you to be there, like culinary arts, where they have to cook or fashion design, those types of courses, automotive, things like that. Um, so I don't know about 
you know, gen ed courses. I don't know when, I don't know when I would go back with my courses. Okay. Got it. So you have been a 100% virtual. What does that look like? So what <laughs> you're laughing, what, if, if I'm in your AP psychology mm-hmm. class, you know, I would obviously, if I were in school, I would have you from, you know, 9am until 950 Monday through Friday, right? I would have you every single day. No, not in school. No, we don't, they don't have it every day. No, we're in a block schedule. Okay. So you actually would only we have a we have a unique schedule. I think it's pretty different than other high schools actually. Um, we uh we get our students twice a week for fifty minutes. So a hundred minutes a week. It's nothing. And even it's not enough. even in school. No, not in person. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In person. Oh, in person, you'd have yeah. me every day for forty two minutes. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Okay, so you know, rewind the tape. I've, it, I didn't follow what you were talking about. Before. Typical. She's not listening to me. <laughs> um, so in school, you, I would have you for, for 42 minutes every single day of the week. Right. What is it right now virtually? For the same exact class, what for is it? For the same exact class, I have um, each class 50 minutes twice a week. So you either have you either have your class on the same class Mondays and Thursdays or Tuesdays and Fridays. So they're basically cutting your time with the students in half more than in half yes wow and obviously again i i know you so i know that you are above and beyond you go above and beyond what is required of you in those two classes of 50 minutes what is expected of you are you on zoom so you're yeah so um the stipulation i think like in our contract and everything the expectation is that teachers are delivering instruction in some way shape or form for at least 20 to 30 of those minutes um i think me and my colleagues are doing much more than that usually my i mean i'm giving delivering instruction or doing some type of learning activity for the entire 50 minutes usually a little more so i always joke to my students like oh sorry we're over a minute or two again folks um so I would hate you if you were my teacher. It's possible. I, I doubt it, but it's, yeah, of course that's possible. Um, but yeah, so we deliver instruction and then, you know, we use that time to take assessments because we have to supervise the assessments. So you, I mean, cheating is probably happening at a much higher rate now than it is in person. Yeah. Um, so we try to supervise our assessments on Zoom where we're watching them and they have to have their cameras turned on. Um, but at, before you go into that, that's the only time they have to have their cameras on, right? Correct. So you look at black screens on Zoom all day? Yeah, and that's not the case for all school districts, but our district um, does not mandate that the camera be on. So um, it's probably difficult. Very difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a huge disconnect. So because they don't have to have it on and there's no consequence if they do not, other than like me begging and pleading that they keep it on. Um, you know, there, there's only so much you can do. The feedback that you get, there's a delay because I don't have the, the advantage of seeing facial expressions or body language, which is, you know, huge for communicating things. They can yeah. say so much without saying anything at all. Um, I would say the last month and a half of this semester, five to seven students in each class of about 28 had a camera on. Oh my gosh. So it's pretty brutal. Um, yeah. That's, that (laughs) is rough. It's been rough. Yeah. That is wild. Um, and I just use humor to try to bring more, to turn it on, you know, things like that. 
Like, hey, it would be really cool. Is anyone wearing, like, Niles West gear today? It's Friday, like, spirit day kind of thing. Like, turn your camera on, show me your Niles West. If I had chocolate, I'd give it to you. But we're on, you know, just yeah. little thing. And, you know, and they laugh and stuff. But then it just goes back off. Wow. <laughs> so getting back into it, those 50 minutes, are you teaching a lesson or are you talking about a lesson that they already had? Or how, how has... Obviously, your lesson plan and delivery has changed drastically. Yeah, it, d- it depends on the day. Every day is different. So, you talk, know, some talk days, a little bit. Talk a little bit about that. Some, you know, and we're in the middle of a unit. In the beginning of the unit, I'm doing a lot of instruction in terms of presenting content content to them, and then sometimes we have breakout room activities where they go and do group work. Um, and I bop in and out of breakout rooms for a certain period of time. And then we come back together collectively and go over kind of like the main concept to make sure we all understand. And then if there's an assessment, they take it for part of the period on there. And then we go into a lesson. Um, sometimes I deliver videos that I don't know or I don't feel confident that maybe they would watch fully on their own and it needs more explanation from me. So I do some of the videos live where I'll be able to pause it and explain things that are going on that connect to the content. Um, Sometimes it's me diagramming something like an AP psych when we do the bio unit. um, I went through the diagramming of a neuron, the ear, the eye, different sensory organs because that's kind of can get a little dry if you're just reading that out of a textbook and doing it. So things that I feel like could benefit from like the human touch. Um, that's what I'll kind of try to focus on. But I only have two class periods a week, so a lot is left on them to do on their own. So there's a big, yeah, I mean, there's a big responsibility for the kids on their own time, which is hard, and you know they're not motivated yeah. uh, as much. That was right in my next question. How are the kids? I, I mean, this is what bothers me the most in in what we do. We obviously at at the gym we work with a ton of kids and. You know, in all of the decisions that are being made, it feels like kids are just not even thought about, not even an afterthought. They're just not thought about at all, you know, in obviously our state. So, and I don't necessarily want to get into that. Obviously, people are on different sides of the fence with that. But, you know, it just seems to me like with sports and practices and, you know, things that is so important in young kids' lives. I mean, we have a three and four year old. If they were not going to school... And, and a nine-month-old. And a nine-month-old. I didn't forget about her, but I was just talking about school. Um, you know, if, if our three- and four-year-old were not able to go to school and be able to socialize like that, I mean, that, from a development standpoint, that just crushes them. And then, you know, from a, um, you know, what, middle school through high school, for them not to have a social aspect and an outlet with sports and activities and all that stuff, you know, just from a... You know, something that you've been talking about just from a uh, mental health standpoint, it's brutal. It's terrible for them. So how have your kids been, you know, not even not even talking about that they are have black screens, but when you are talking to them, how is their well-being and how are they taking it in stride? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the media uh, portrays that kids are not doing so well more so than is actually true. Um, so I wouldn't fully agree with that like assessment of how kids are doing. I, they're doing a lot better than you think they are. I know that because I do regular mental, I call them mental health checks in my class. I'm trying to destigmatize talking about mental health issues. Um, you know, I teach psychology for a living. I think yeah. that's part of my responsibility. So we do mental health checks. Um, 
you know, here and there throughout the semester. I don't want to burden them by constantly checking in on them because I think their privacy and so forth is really important, but I also want them to know the support is there from me if they need it. Um, and most of them are doing okay. Um, the ones that aren't are the ones that would typically be struggling if we were in in-person learning anyways. And there's like confounding variables that are leading to them having some issues like at home, um, you know, I have a student whose parents are divorced or just recently divorced and she's living between two households during remote, lear remote learning and they're very far away from each other. So if she leaves something at one house, she's not back there till like the following week along with her like belongings and materials. So if she had something due and she was supposed to take a picture of it and upload it, she doesn't have access to it. Gotcha. Like that's really burdensome. I can yeah. imagine the anxiety that that provokes in her to be worried about, oh my gosh, I can't get that. I left that at mom's house. Totally got it. Um, I've had many students that have had COVID um, and, you know, some are really sick, um, some are not, and some, you know, are, are absent because of the, the diagnosis of COVID and their symptoms and others continue to attend class but are really fatigued. So like you have that going on is like, do you have to remind yourself kids are actually getting sick? Um, and then the, the illness isn't just the fact that they have COVID, but they're worried about what could this turn into? Could yeah. this be a really serious case of COVID? Is it going to be more mild? And then it's kind of that waiting game, you know, throughout the 14 days or whatever they're quarantining to figure out. Um, I've had students whose family members have gotten COVID. So they have moved out of their normal household, their typical household, and moved in with a relative so that they can continue to you know, maybe leave the house here and there and go to the store and not be burdened with quarantining with everyone and having to stay away from everyone and self-isolating. So I've had that. Um, but even the students that have had some pretty, you know, in some cases, traumatic stories, they're doing okay. You know, they're really resilient young kids. Um, yeah. And that's, I, I, you know, I want to highlight that piece because I think that's really important to see it through the lens of like a glass half full than no, I, I, empty. I totally agree. And... You know, when we made the decision, uh, it's it's got to be over a month now. Um, for athletes that were coming in here, we made the decision that they that we required and mandated masks for them to wear. Right. And you know, in typical fashion, it, the the thoughts that on my part that went into it, and the anxiety of like, hey, what's going to be the response? You know, if I were if I were an athlete and I was, you know, running and jumping and lifting hard, and I wouldn't want to wear a mask and I, are we going to lose a bunch of people because we're going to wear masks and literally we mandated masks I think on a Thursday and the kids came in masked no one complained of it no one said you know there was not a peep made and their work didn't change they they put in the same effort they put in the same intensity and I think you're absolutely right uh in the fact that you know the kids are extremely resilient and from a you know, mental toughness standpoint, it's it's really amazing how much they have been, again, we are an explicit podcast, how much they have been shit on and they just stand stand tall and, and able to do continue what they what they're doing. So it is yeah. it is really cool. So I also don't think they want us to feel sorry for them. I mean, I get that a lot from my students. Like, yeah. I'm all right. You don't need to, like, check in constantly. You know, yeah. it's like it's almost like we're constantly there waiting for them to like have a breakdown or something yeah. and they're doing okay yeah. um, with the masks. I mean, I know early on, like our, our daughter and son are three and four year olds. Um, 
I was per, I was personally so worried about the masks with them. I was like, they're never going to wear it. They're never. And now I'm now I'm frustrated with myself that I didn't believe in their capability more. Annie yeah. Annie even coaches me up. Yeah. You know, if I if I have my mask underneath my nose, she'll tell me to pull my mask up and and wear it right. Yeah. She I mean, is a she's a bossy. She's a bossy little girl. She's a leader. She's, she's a not leader. bossy. She's We're gonna get leader. into that. Is that a, okay? We're gonna get into that. She's okay. A leader. Before we leave the teaching standpoint, we are rolling here, babe. We're like. Uh, I know. You should have me on more often. We will. You're gonna be a reoccurring guest. Oh. Um, thank you. With your virtual teaching, what has been your biggest struggle? The biggest struggle is um, measuring learning. My students know this. I talk to them about it regularly. It's really, really hard to measure learning right now. And that bothers me because that's a standard that I take very seriously. And if they leave without having learned, and I'm not talking like they remember something. Obviously, I want it to be deeper than that. Um, But it's hard because you can't see everything they're doing. Um, They have to do a lot on their own. Like I said, I only get my classes twice a week. So are they doing the work themselves? Are they just looking up every answer? Are they really critically thinking even so that that's I think the hardest part for me as a teacher okay I gotcha what has been the most positive thing that you least expected come out of this virtual teaching um virtual teaching has as I was telling you earlier like humanized me or humanized teachers in general I would say um I always think it's funny because like in in in-person learning I always joke in the classroom like oh you know if you see me out in the community like at the local I don't know you know at Costco and Niles or at Target or something like say hi we're humans too like believe it or not we go shopping we have you know family that we love and care for and we you know we go out and do things we travel and the kids always laugh because it's always such a weird thing to see a teacher out it is I know I had the same experience oh my god did you just see Mrs. So and So yeah like as if we're like aliens from outer space like oh my god they do that you might be um, so I now being on camera in our home, you know, they're actually seeing where I live to a degree. I mean, I'm in a basement bedroom, but still, um, and our children. Where did you get your desk from? From, I think it's called. I built it. Prospect Core yeah. Woodworking. That kind of never came into fruition. That really. Yeah. Well, better luck next time. Um, but yeah, so they see the house, um, They see our children, you know, they hear our children. I mean, there have been times where I've been teaching a class and I've had our nine month olds bopping on my leg because we don't have childcare that day and you're at work and I'm I'm working from home. So it's, you know, a lot of moving parts. And, but my my students appreciate that and they love it. And I've had a lot of them say like, I feel like I know you. And I think that's the ultimate compliment is like, wow. So I've, you know, I want to be authentic. I want to be genuine. And now they're also getting to see that part of me as a, you know, as a parent of three little children, as a woman who's working from home, as a, you know, as a professional. That's really cool. Uh, you know what? We work with a lot, obviously, as you know, we work with a lot of teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that getting this perspective, um, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this, really enjoy this, especially the teachers. Yeah. Um, and I think that getting a perspective from people outside of the teaching profession, I think they're going to really enjoy it. And actually, as we were talking about earlier, about hopefully having a newfound respect for teachers of even kind of building on top of that. So I think that was excellent. But I'm not going to let you off the hook yet, mm. because if you were to actually listen to the podcast, my God, huh. um, you would know that we always end with three tips. I'm prepared. You are prepared. Okay. Um you recently read a book. I read books all the time. 
I have many leather-bound books. Yeah. You they just smell, acted, of, they you smell, acted, you they smell acted, of mahogany. You just acted as if that was the first book <laughs> I've ever read. Okay, so you recently read a book. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was a memoir. A memoir. Okay, I was... Wow, I re- I interrupted you earlier, and now you're interrupting me. Tell me a little bit more about the book. What was it? Kind of give me some overall themes here before um, we get into your tips. So, I wanna I wanna start by saying that as I just corrected him, I read all the time, and I typically I love novels. Um, fiction is like my go-to. You know, you get away from real life, and the book and the author take you somewhere else. It's awesome. I'm a, an avid reader. And Why so, would you want to get away from real life when I'm your husband? Well, we can have a podcast about that another time. So, listeners, stay tuned. We can we can definitely get into that. Um, so, I had heard. Um, I I always look up. Uh, I used to look on the New York Times bestseller list just to find things that have good ratings and reviews. And um, about I'd say about a year ago, I got into Reese Witherspoon's um, Hello Sunshine book club uh, and her list. And I just thought I'll give it a shot. I'll read something off of hers, and I will. Um, I'll see if if it's good. So I read a book off of her list and I really liked it. And I read another and another and another and it never disappointed. And so I went to Barnes and Noble about a week, a week or two ago. And I always buy a few books at a time. And I came home with this, getting to the point of the question. I came home with um, the book named uh, titled Untamed. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. I had not. Um, and the author's Glennon Doyle. And uh, she wrote previous memoirs that I knew nothing about, but this had great reviews on the Hello Sunshine um, book club review. I had some friends tell me about it, and no one mentioned to me that it was a memoir. So I thought I was getting a novel, which is what I actually intended to start reading. And I get it, and I'm looking at, you know, the cover and whatever, and I'm flipping it open, and I start reading, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't a novel. And I actually went to put it down because I, I wanted to read a novel at the time. And I was like, you know what, this is so good. You know, people have said such good things, I'm going to read it. And boy, am I glad I read it. And you know, Connor, that I, I enjoyed it because I yeah, would I stop midway through and stop and we'd talk, I'd have you talk about stuff. Um, so that's what it's like to be married to me in case anyone was wondering. And so my three tips or things that I kind of took away is her book is about... Um, this is tip number one? You, you, you got to listen to the podcast. I have to oh, announce the number one. Number two. Come I'm on. So this is one. tip number one. Not yet. Oh my gosh. So the book you is about like, empowering... Give me like a signal when okay. I'm ready to say number okay. one. Okay. The book is about empowering women. And so we have two daughters. I am also a female myself. We have a lot of women in our lives that we appreciate very much. And um, she, Glennon Doyle, is a woman, and uh, she takes you kind of through her life. Again, this is a uh, like a sequel to her first memoir, which I did not read, so I can't speak about that. But she goes into, and she, she makes some really, really, really strong points. And I love it because they're so simple. And so... Tip number one. Oh, thank you. She gave, she pointed to me. Tip number one is? Tip number one, which I recently shared with my students as well, and this applies to everyone, no matter what your gender is, is we... We as in humans can do hard things. So when I go back in in-person learning, hopefully next semester at some point, this is the first thing I am going to creatively going to go to Michael's, get a bunch of supplies, and I'm putting it up on my classroom wall somewhere because I think it is such an important, simple message that like shit gets hard sometimes. It gets really difficult, but we can do hard things. And society tries to condition us to protect us from hard things and there's nothing I oppose more. We need to experience difficult circumstances. That's the only way you, you know, develop grit, which is something I'm, yeah. another podcast for another day. Yeah. 
by Carol Dweck um, and company. And so that's my first tip is we all can do hard things. And so I recommend put yourself in some hard situations. You won't even, uh, you know, you wouldn't have even realized how successful you can be and how resilient you could be. Absolutely. Get get comfortable being uncomfortable. When sure. we When we first started this podcast, you know, I had not been nervous about something in a while. You know what I mean? Like you always claim you you don't get nervous, which is just not. True. No, 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 no. I it, this made me uncomfortable. Like I, I I'm gonna throw people a curveball here, but that see me throw people a curveball that see me at the gym and mm-hmm. kind of see me in those interactions. But I'm actually very introverted in a lot of ways. Yeah, in a lot of ways you are. Yes. So it's this one of the things I find most attractive about. Hey, you. thank you, thank you. Arr. Um, wow. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. We're not we're not cutting that out. But I am very introverted. So this like made me uncomfortable and this made, podcast this did? starting the podcast and getting oh. out okay. Um and talking and this made me uncomfortable and it made me nervous and I don't know like in the last couple weeks of actually having it, like I feel like I've I've grown. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I feel like putting myself in this position where it was something that like I wanted to do, but I was nervous about putting it out and like, you know, putting my thoughts and and kind of my words out for people to, you know, either like it or not like it or, or you know, whatever. So that is really cool. That's your tip number one. We can do hard things. Tip number two. Tip number two would be, and this, this might be geared more towards women. It applies to men as well, but I'm talking, you know, from the memoir that I read, uh, Untamed, is um, not to say to be untamed. Well, I do believe that, but um, don't don't hesitate to do things that satisfy you and only you. So I think we need to kind of redefine what it means to be selfish and to not condition ourselves and train like society to think that being selfish or the way that society defines selfishness is a bad thing because I think people limit themselves a lot when they do not do something that could fulfill them and then if they're fulfilled and they're satisfied that is just going to have a natural effect in all their connections with other people absolutely that's very good that's something I believe very strongly and you're married to me and you know I make sure I take time to do things that satisfy me because then I'm a better mother, a better friend, a better wife, a better teacher, everything. Absolutely. Okay, great. Number number two. Number three. We're rolling here. We're like 35 minutes here. Number three. Wow. Yeah, we were talking like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. We got to get home for the babysitter. Okay, we do. We do. (laughs) I actually have to get going. Um, Number three is empower. uh, Because her whole kind of mantra is about empowerment, I think we need to empower as many people as we can, but realistically empower them. So I, I was just, earlier I was talking about how I teach AP psychology. Um, I'm just using that as an example. Sophomores and seniors can take my class. There is no standard prerequisite to take my class. I encourage students to consider it, but there is a level, a level of rigor that it takes. Just like if someone wants to, you know, sign up for a weightlifting competition or somebody wants to go try out, you know, do, do a triathlon if it's fitness related or a new diet and lose 45 pounds. Empower realistically. So do things within reason and, you know, give yourself the support that you need to achieve that goal, but also be realistic about the rigor that you're willing to participate with. So reflect on your level of grit. That's what I tell my students a lot is you may, this may interest you. This may be, um, 
kind of like appetizing to think about like wanting to do it but there's a difference between that that desire and that like initial dopamine surge and that sustaining itself over time absolutely and i think that empowerment piece is important but again within reason awesome because then i think we set people up for failure and that's never fun those are three awesome tips thank um, you yeah thank you thank hey. you so much for coming on i had fun I did too. This that is was, good. That was cool. I think we covered a ton of information. Again, I think that uh, getting a teacher's perspective in a time like this is amazing. And I think people are going to really enjoy listening. I think one of the reasons why I wanted you on and hopefully to showcase how well of a communicator you are and you know just how impressive you are. Thank you. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. Until the next time, you guys have a great day. Enjoy your weekend. This is going to come out today is Friday. So enjoy your weekends and then uh, we'll see you soon.